The Business of Portland podcast. Every week, editor Vance Tong, reporter Joseph Gallivan, and reporter Stephanie Basiliga bring you an insider's look at some of the stories affecting Portland's business community. The Business of Portland podcast is brought to you by Pamplin Digital Media. Hyperlocal broadens its reach. Now your community news partner can help your business get a better return on investment when you advertise to your target market. If you are interested in learning more, please email us at digital at pamplinmedia.com. Now, here's Business Tribune reporter Joseph Gallivan. Hi, I'm Business Tribune reporter Joseph Gallivan, and I'm here with our architecture critic, Brian Libby. And this week, we'll be talking about the American Institutes of Architect Awards, which happened on Friday, October 25th. Thanks for coming in, Brian. Thank you. So the awards are given out. The uh, The Oregon chapter gives out the awards and the judges were all in Montreal and they didn't fly them in this year. They did everything by video, which was a bit, you know, it was to save on carbon emissions. Oh, goodness. Yeah, it was interesting because, um, you know, you didn't get that spontaneity. They were uh, playing recorded clips. They had certain awards for buildings, and then they have certain awards for people. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to talk quickly about the ones for people that stood out for me. Okay. They always pick an emerging professional, which mm-hmm. means a young person. Mm-hmm. And this year it went to Whitney Ranson. She's a designer at SRG Partnership. And what she did with her colleague, Emily Wright, who's an interior designer, they had to do the office for SRG, which is a big deal. She said yeah. they had... 40 architects breathing down their necks. They had to figure out where everyone should sit, what kind of desks, are the desks on wheels or sliders, you know, who has cubes, who has breakout rooms, all that kind of stuff. It was a big job. And, because and it she, was a Pietro Belisky building, no less, that, that SRG oh, partnership right. is in, yeah, the Oregonian, the Oregonian building. Oregonian, yeah. So in a, you've got 40 architects look, looking over your shoulder and like the, you know, the like Obi-Wan Kenobi ghost of Pietro <laughs> Belisky in a robe or something looking over as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, she, Whitney Ranson did it and did well. And this is what she said to me when I talked about it. Furniture is very personal for everyone. Yeah. yeah. In our existing space, we were very tied to how the furniture was laid out. And so our new office, we really wanted to push the boundaries of that. And so we really broke away from having fixed furniture. We broke it into separate pieces. So our storage, our desk, and the power are all separate from each other. And so they all move independently. So when you move desk locations, we actually take, everybody just takes their whole desk and moves it to their new spot. Another winner was Lever Architecture or Lever. 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 They say Lever. I they always do. accidentally say Lever myself, okay, but right. but they always seem to say Lever. Lever Architecture, all caps. They did that building Red Fox Commons in Northwest. Mm-hmm. And they won. I talked to Thomas Robinson, the, the principal afterwards. The Red Fox Commons, you've written about it and we've had other stories about it. So it's basically a big wooden building. They went in, they took it apart. And they took enough wood out of it to add on another building. It's sort of a comment on how people used to waste wood and now you can you, know, you can build a lot more leanly. So I talked to Thomas uh, Robinson about this. He told me why he thought the judges liked his building. There's like almost a linear mile of 4x12 wood. 
wood that was salvaged out of the existing building to make a new building that connects. And then asked if he thought the uh, French Canadians, the Montreal judges, had seen anything like it before, and this is what he said. I don't really think so. I mean, even we gave a lecture in Norway, and they were like, that was the project that was most interesting to them. And Thomas Robinson of Lever, the company also went for the Nature Conservancy Conservation Center in Belmont and Southeast 14th. I talked to him about that, and this is what he said. Because it's a building that embodies their mission. The materials that we're using to build the building connect to their the values that they're trying to instill in the landscape, in, in terms of managing the landscape in Oregon and, you know, um, in terms of their mission globally. So I think we're, we're incredibly excited to be part of, of, of their vision for, you know, the environment as a whole. So, Brian, as our uh, resident architecture critic, you've been to a lot of these buildings. You probably, the people from Montreal hadn't actually been there. They've just seen I know. I still think that's a little weird that they didn't come to Portland at all. And I'm all for offsetting carbon, but you'd think they could have done so in a way that still got them here. Uh, You know, maybe they... I don't want to be cynical about it, but could have planted some trees or purchased oh. more alternative power or something. Mm-hmm. I think, but then again, many years ago, I worked for the AIA and I saw the judges in action when they were here and they still don't visit them in person. You know, they're still just looking at pictures. And yeah. so, well, they can't get to everything, but you know, they, they do go on a few little trips, but yeah, they, I mean, they've got like 70 things to look at. And when I worked for the chapter, when they went and visited things, not only was it just a couple, three projects, but it was after they had already kind of made their decision and they just kind of wanted to double check that that they felt good about it after seeing oh, it in person. That's interesting. Well, you've been to the Red Fox Commons mm-hmm. uh, in um, Northwest. Just tell us what it feels like inside. Well, at first I wondered if it was maybe... Uh, Named for Red Fox, the comedian from the 1970s. Uh, I don't know if there are any Sanford and Son fans out there, but I, I got to go there a few months ago with Thomas Robinson from Lever, and I just kind of love any situation where you can take one of those old warehouses with these kind of beautiful big old roof trusses and expose them and just take advantage of the big wide open space that they allow. Like these warehouses couldn't have a bunch of columns, you know, because it wouldn't have been functional. And so it allows these wide open spaces in places like Red Fox Commons. And they cut a lot of skylights into the roof, or I guess clear story windows, really, uh, to be more accurate. And so there's a decent amount of light in there. And they basically had these two warehouses next door to each other that both dated to the 1940s. They were hay bale warehouses originally. And then Lever designed a kind of glass partition in between them that connects the two buildings. It's actually not unlike what they're going to be doing at the Portland Art Museum by building a glass connector between those two buildings. It's actually similar what happened at at Red Fox Commons. And this is actually a a building, uh, Red Fox Commons, that I just wrote about in my last column for the Tribune. And uh, I also enjoyed the fact that this is right at the entrance of the 1905 Lewis and Clark Centennial Exposition. So there would have been these huge, big kind of... Roman colonnades of columns there and this big kind of dramatic entrance there. And so it's all gone now, of course, but that site has some interesting history. Mm -hmm. There's always a thing called the 2030 Award, which is, you know, the kind of green award. Will buildings be carbon neutral by 2030? So what won this year? 
I believe it went to Tillamook Row, which I it went to two projects actually. One of which is unbuilt. Uh, the unbuilt one is in Tennessee, called the Great Smoky Mountain Institute Second Campus, designed by Portland firm Henneberry Eddy Architects. But the built 2030 award went to Tillamook Row which is this mostly rental housing project, but multifamily housing projects, a series of townhouses that share a a little courtyard. And it's over just off Williams Avenue in Northeast Portland. And I really enjoyed it. it. It wasn't necessarily gorgeous, but it was really impressive, like you say, in its sustainable credentials being net zero, which, um, really means something tangible for the residents. It means no electricity bills or hardly any other utility bills. And it also was at a scale that fit in nicely with the existing single family houses. Like people talk about a kind of missing middle housing that is size-based, like uh, that there's nothing between like a big multifamily apartment or condo building and a single family house. And projects like Tilla McGrow are not only sustainable, but they're a good kind of middle level scale of housing as well. Mm-hmm. There's always something with a, with a funny name. Silica is this year's funny name. <laughs> what is Silica and have you been there? I've been there and it's just basically a glass box of an office building, but sometimes I guess contemporary architecture, it's all about getting the details right. And Is this and, downtown Portland? No, it's on Williams Avenue as well, actually, coincidentally. It's uh, along that strip of North Williams that has become quite gentrified over the years. And one phenomenon in more recent years that's been happening on Williams is that there started to become more commercial office space there and that it wasn't just mixed-use residential going in, condos and apartments. But this is another case, kind of like the Radiator Building on uh, Vancouver Avenue and the One North Project near there on Williams that are bringing some substantial commercial office space to the Williams-Vancouver corridor because the zoning is just uh, a, a little bit, teensy bit more height there. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. and people just want to live around there and they want to ride their bike to work or walk mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. don't bother with downtown. It's still fairly close in and so there's a lot of people who find that among the most attractive places to live in the city. Um, it's very bikeable. There's lots of good restaurants and it's a cool area. Mm-hmm. A very dwell-type building is the Howard Residence in mm-hmm. uh, Vancouver, B.C. Mm-hmm. What do you know about that? I happen to do an article. Who the Howards? I happen to do an article about that house for a home magazine a few months ago, and it's really impressive. The Howards actually, it's funny, they commissioned this beautiful, immaculate, contemporary house by a Portland firm, and I believe they own like a series of like mobile home parks. (laughs) So it's kind of funny in the United States. Like I think they might own one or two in Oregon, actually. But this house in Vancouver, West Vancouver, kind of in a more slightly suburban type setting, but it was on this kind of triangular shaped lot. It's like this triangular shaped house and it has kind of no backyard and it has all of its yard in front, but they create this interesting kind of landscape plaza thing. And uh, it's just a really interesting design. And this project and the Jarrett Street 12 are both designed by the same firm, uh, Architecture Building Culture here in Portland. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And and is that Kevin Kavanaugh? Brian Kavanaugh. Sorry, Brian Kavanaugh. I make that same mistake, too, because Kevin Kavanaugh is a developer in town who has a lot of kind of design acumen, like fair-haired dumbbell and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, But Brian Kavanaugh is this Harvard-educated architect who heads uh, architecture building culture here in Portland. And they've won quite a few awards over the years for a series of small projects, uh, as well as like a resort in Fiji, I want to say. He has a, a partner from, I think, Australia or New Zealand. And like one of them is based in Vancouver, BC, and one's based here in Portland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then um, finally, there's the building. It isn't finished yet. Seven Southeast Stark. 
who won for that? Who's the architect there? Well, that's the Citation Award, which I guess is kind of like the bronze medal level. There's there's the Honor Award, which you could liken to a gold medal, the Merit Award, and a few projects won that, some of which we've talked about. And then the Citation Award is this level given to a few projects, including the unbuilt version of the award went to this Portland firm, Works Progress Architecture, it's um, a really kind of cool modern project that would be right between MLK and Grand near the Schleifer Furniture Building, I guess on Stark Street, as the name indicates. And it's a validation of sorts for this firm, WPA, Works Progress Architecture, to be getting a design award because a couple of years ago, well, they used to be basically a kind of duo of mm-hmm. of Kerry Strickland and Bill Namurka, who headed that firm, and they basically broke up. And Bill Namurka left the firm, and Kerry became the sole leader of the firm. And he was kind of given a little bit more of the design credit when they were together as a partnership. And that may or may not have been fair, but I think she felt like, understandably so, that she had something to prove. And of course, it's a team effort, and goes without saying, but to see that firm get a design award under her leadership is maybe something to root for and to be happy for. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, half parking half office yeah you can see it from the freeway the i5 yeah yeah it's under construction railroad tracks Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's it's an interesting looking building yeah i don't know what i think of it yet because i i like you have kind of seen it as i've been going by on the freeway or so forth and and it's a little risky to kind of combine parking garage and building in that way but you know that firm has some experimental leanings or talents, and and they're good problem solvers. And mm-hmm. so I'm kind of reserving judgment, but I would give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. So of all, all the firms we have in Portland who are winning awards, is there anyone you can see building a really big, distinctive building, like an office tower that just looks kind of crazy or different? Because we're getting a lot of straight-up boxes. I know, I know. It's funny, people talk about Portland being a liberal city politically, but I think we're kind of a conservative, small-c conservative city in some ways. We're, we're not a city that has a lot of wealth. And we're also culturally, I think, a city that is not really given to gratuitous displays uh, of ambition and wealth. It's just not the kind of city we are. I, I think that's really something that a, a Seattle or a San Francisco would be more about, kind of wanting to show the world how big and important and ambitious they are. That's traditionally, historically, something that ocean port cities seem to do for some reason, to, to, to want to show the world their empire state buildings and their, their space needles. And Portland, it's more about being a good neighbor and fitting in. But I do agree that it would be nice if we got some kind of more standout, big, bold projects here now and then. But we don't necessarily have really big money developers who are thinking that way. They're thinking more about sustainability and stuff like that. And then it leaves it to public projects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually happen to think maybe we have a, have had a missed opportunity with the Multnomah County Courthouse on the riverfront to do mm-hmm. something big and bold. West end of the Hawthorne Bridge. Exactly. It's not skinned yet, but you can see the, the shape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a tough ask for the architects because it's this L-shaped site, which is kind of funny. And you see a kind of pattern language that is handsome, but you know reminds me of a lot of other projects from this general time. And it's kind of semi-abstract window patterning and stuff. And it seems like it might be a handsome building, but not necessarily a, a knockout of a courthouse. And in a way, that was kind of by intent because there were a couple of the biggest firms in the world or most acclaimed firms in the world that actually applied for that 
commission. Uh, Is that Rem, right? Yeah, Rem Koolhaas, the Pritzker Prize-winning Dutch architect, went for that commission, and so did Skidmore, Owings, and Merrill, uh, one of the biggest and top firms in the world. They designed the new World Trade Center, mm-hmm. for example. But both of those firms were not even shortlisted because there was written into the request for proposals a kind of explicit favoring of local firms, which is in some ways a nice idea, you know, because when you invest in local companies, you know, you're doing something more for the economy. But it's not every day that somebody considered maybe one of the top two or three architects of his generation in the world, like Rem Koolhaas, gets interested in doing something in Portland, let alone a waterfront courthouse. Mm-hmm. And then Skidmore, Owings and Merrill is this internationally renowned firm, but one that actually has quite a history here in Portland with landmarks like Memorial Coliseum or Autzen Stadium in Eugene. And so if a Portland firm beats out those other two or great firms across the world, fair and square, in the final round, I say good for them. But to see those world-class firms not even be shortlisted, I just kind of smell a rat a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'll see you at the ribbon cutting. (laughs) You bet. Early next year. So I was talking to Brian Libby, our architecture critic. And what's the name of your blog again and your podcast? The blog is called Portland Architecture, which can be found at portlandarchitecture.com. And then the podcast is called In Search of Portland. And you can basically find that anywhere you get your podcasts, but it's in collaboration with the nonprofit station X-Ray. So you can also find it at xraypod.com. If you want to read our story about the uh, AIA Architecture Awards, It ran on the cover of the Friday, November the 1st edition in print, and you can find it at biztrib.com. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thank you. And in bids this week, uh, there is one, the Fir Grove Children's Centre project. They're building a family community resource centre, and it's part of Vancouver Public Schools. You can look for that in our bid section on page 13. And in our calendar, look on November the 19th, there is the Building Business Connections at the Moda Center. This is the Portland Business Alliance. They have a kind of schmoozathon every now and again. They always have it at the Moda Center because their food there is good. And it's 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. Moda Center, two center court. And it's the Rose Room on the fourth floor so november the 19th that's it for our podcast this week i'd like to thank brian libby our architecture critic and alicia our engineer thanks a lot you can get all our stories on biztrib.com the business of portland podcast has been brought to you by pamplin digital media Hyperlocal broadens its reach Now your community news partner can help your business get a better return on investment when you advertise to your target market. If you're interested in learning more, please email us at digital at pamplinmedia.com. The Business of Portland podcast is produced by the Pamplin Media Group, Oregon's largest locally owned source of news and advertising. For more business news, pick up a copy of the Business Tribune, Tuesdays in standalone racks, and Thursdays in the business section of the Portland Tribune. Or to hear more of our podcasts, go to biztrib.com.